Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. We figured out a long time ago that it's prayer that moves mountains. You can write us a check that'll only go so far, but the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills can do so much more by your prayer than anything else. So, pray for us. Amen? God has given me a word this morning that I pray by the Holy Spirit will be a revelation, but one specifically of a reminder. And oftentimes in Christendom, we find ourselves in grave repetition. And we say things and do things so repetitiously that it can easily become unavoidable in terms of complacency and happenstance. It's surface value religion. Amen? So this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want us to go to an all too familiar passage. The book of Psalms, chapter 23. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will be preaching a message titled, I Shall Not Want. That got me excited. And Mercedes, when when the Lord birthed that word, as I just read over that, stopped right there. I shall not want. Boy, if we can catch revelation of that title. If you were born again, and your daddy is the God of all the universe, tell you what, you shall not want. Amen. Pray with me and for me. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for your word is true. And that every man's doctrine or man's wisdom or worldly hypothesis is a lie. God, we trust totally in your word. From Genesis to Revelation, God, you have birthed your word over thousands of years, over 60 different authors, and all of which are in total unison with no contradictions. And for that, we know that your word is true. We know your word is true if we have been born again and set free and that every addiction has been broken under the power of the Holy Spirit and the transformative power of being born again and filled with the baptism of your Holy Ghost. We know that your word is true. So God, we depend totally on your word. It is not what man might say, God, but it is what you have said. And we trust in that. Anoint my lips to speak your word through the anointing, not in wisdom of man nor logic. Anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. God, we declare your word today unashamedly. But above all, God, not just in truth, but in love and anointing. Anoint your word this morning, God. In humility, I ask that we can all receive by the Holy Spirit the truth of your word. We thank you and we praise you. And all that would agree, shout. Amen. Amen. I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's say it together. I shall not want. We could all probably all quote the rest five, the remaining five verses. The Lord is my shepherd. He is our shepherd. But how many in this room can declare the Lord is my shepherd? Oh, he's heart of worship church shepherd. 
but is he your shepherd? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores the very soul of my being. When I was down and out, when I was abused as a child, when I was addicted with drugs, when I went through hell and back, He restored my soul. Come on, church. This is a word of testimony. I guarantee you, little charismatic David who danced before the Lord, he probably wasn't sitting down when he was writing this one. He restored my soul. Boy, when I was a child, I went through some things. How many of y'all went through some things? Teenager years, boy, you went through some, some things. I know we all went through those. He restored my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest of times, let me give it to you in 2019, even though I walk through the hardest of hardest times that I've ever been through, God, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod of authority and correction, it comforts me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You have given me a table of provision even before the people that hate me. The same people that talk about me, that gossip about me, but that really can't stand me. You have prepared a table of meal preparation, provision. When I lose my job, thou hast prepared a table of provision for you, brother. God has provided a table for you. Even when people wanted to kick you down, brother, God has prepared a table for you. And that's a word for you, brother. Some of y'all don't believe that. Let me tell you something. God prepared a table for me when I had no job, no money, and I just got delivered from drugs. Let me tell you something. Y'all know my testimony? How long did it take? One week, max seven days, when I was delivered out of my pit and I walked through the darkest valley and I chose that great shepherd to be with me, he restored my soul and he gave me a table. Seven days, I had a vehicle, a job, I had money now, an income. I was on the street, sleeping in my nephew's bed at my sister's house in Baton Rouge as a drug addict. Let me tell you something, that Sunday morning, that Sunday morning at Mercedes, I came in, church glowing, full of the Holy Ghost, because God restored my soul. Mm. Listen to these words. You anoint my head with oil and my cup. What is your cup? It's everything that nourishes you. My cup runneth over. Whatever the need is, you got more than enough. Come on now. And the anointing over your head, boy, that's the most important. And verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, church, I would rather read that through, pray it through, believe it through one time, then quote it 10 times back to back and not believe a single syllable. That's why I like to bring back John 3.16, the gospel in one verse. The learned church theologians since childhood know that one forward and backwards. But do we believe it? Isn't that powerful that 
a wretched sinner can take that verse and literally buy the words of it that says, believe on him shall not perish. Belief. Faith alone. And when the Holy Ghost comes in, transforms that person from the inside out. Holy water can't do that for you. Sacraments can't do that for you. Protestant repetitious programs and meetings and counselings can't do that for you. But simply by saying, Lord, I believe. But what a powerful construct that we have the God of the universe to give the entirety of heaven to us just by believing His Word. The book of Psalms is one of many worship poetries. The book of Psalms has a lot of great wisdom, much like Proverbs, but most of which are psalm. If you read through Psalms, you're going to find a lot of encouraging words. For those of you in this room that go through valleys of the shadow of death, it's time to open up some Psalms. I promise you that. Read the book of Psalms and that you will find much revelation in terms of God's love, His mercy, His provision. I learned through the book of Psalms that every morning God's mercy is new. I've learned through the book of Psalms that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Y'all can't shut me up. Y'all looking at me like I'm stupid. That's okay. <laughs> praise the Lord. And I mean that. That gets me excited. Because when you fall in love with Jesus and you experience the presence of God in worship, it don't matter if you sing the highest, if you sharp or you flatten your notes, if you scream Jesus. Come on, somebody. Man. Psalms is a preach. But I shall not want. You see, we were talking just very recently, I believe last night, of the reality of how easy it is for us to just get so caught up in seeking after things, whether it's godly counsel, not wrong, whether it's some medications. It's just so oftentimes that we find ourselves predicament, pick up the phone, call somebody, what do we do? Predicament, oh, oh, cabinets. The word of God this morning to us is, I shall not want. So even if you're sick, I shall not want. Even if you're sad and depressed, do you know what David did? I shall not want. But you know why we can honestly come to a revelation of we shall not want nothing. Nothing. We don't need anything else. Why? What is, it, what is, the, what is the relative phrase for the I shall not want? Because you. I saw a, a meme on Facebook. It's very anointed, an anointed meme. It says, if Jesus is all you have, you have all you need. I shall not want. You know that book, uh, chapter 23, brother, can just stop right there in that verse. Though all the remaining verses are really good, if we can just get that revelation and stop right there, everything else makes sense. Until we understand the revelation of verse 1, verses 2 through 5 mean absolutely nothing. The church, by and large, has lost faith in a God who can do anything and everything. The church, by and large, has lost faith in a God who can reach to the smallest of details of your circumstances. 
to the greatest of your problems and everything in between. We're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and I'm not standing on any soapbox of condemnation. Lord knows I'm learning this myself. Hear me. But by and large, the church has lost faith in their God because we're reaching out for externals. Things here, close, quick, gimme, now. And I've been guilty of that myself, but that's why God's revealing this to us. Falling on your knees and say, God, need, and I'm reminded, I shall not want. You see, when God looks down at His children and sees that, He can't help but start running to you. When the three Hebrew boys were faced with sure death, because they chose God's side, they might as well have said, I shall not want. Though you slay me, yet I will follow. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Sing a song to the one who's all I need. You shall not want. I've said this before many times, and I'm going to say it again. As a pastor, I feel like I cheat people out. When people come to me with a variety of issues, and I've got a medicine cabinet where I take the, the doorknob and I crank it open and show them there's one solution for all. I went to Bible college just to learn Jesus is all you need. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's wonderful, right? I missed out on the, the book alt writing. I could be an author, a pastor of a mega church. I could do all those things, but I feel to a degree, it's like it's not that complicated. Church, if you've been born again, you shall not want. We've got to get that revelation that no matter what I go through, and Lord knows I'm at the front of the line of learning this lesson, we shall not want. Come on, church. We shall not want. When the Holy Ghost is at your side, we shall not want. When David got a revelation of it, oh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Goliath could have just as well went. He wasn't scared. He had a God of the universe right behind him. Hmm. Because thou art with me. Because thou art with me. Whoo, Jesus. Restores my soul. And even though I go through the hardest of times, I will not fear no evil. Because you are with me. Jesus. The God of the universe. If he is with you, you don't have to fear cancer. You don't have to fear rejection from your children. You don't have to fear any of it because every Goliath that comes in various ways you can say my God is with me come on church give God praise give him praise amen now I want to bring a little bit of conviction right now amen y'all get ready here we go we live in the most blessed country of all countries in the world. We do. 
Because it is statistically proven that even the most impoverished person in the United States still lives at a wealthy level by comparison to the worldwide generalness of it. Let me tell you something. There's a reason they're risking shark-infested waters on rinkety boards and half-inflatable life rafts to get over here. I ain't going to politics. I'm going to Jesus. But I'm going to remind you how blessed we are. There are people in China right now, in Afghanistan, in Turkey, and we all know this. Y'all know where I'm going with this. I shall not want. The sad truth is those people believe that and understand that more than the average Christian church member in this sovereign country. And yet they have so little compared to what we have monetarily speaking. I shall not want. In fact, the only thing that they want is a Bible and believers to worship with. That's it. We were talking about that just last night. There are churches in China that have services that last 10 to 12 hours. 10 to 12 hours. Imagine you're in a cooped up apartment. There's about 50 of you in a one bedroom apartment. No air conditioning. And by the 10th hour, you're still, hmm. Y'all see where I'm going? Conviction here too. Hear me. This is what I'm trying to unveil to you. We really don't believe that we shall not want. You know why? Because we want everything. And in many cases, unfortunately, other than God. We say that, oh, I'll perish the thought. Just like Peter, oh, no, God, how? no, I would never. Right? And what happened? We will fail on that every time. We have to get a revelation of that. Literally, these four words can summarize so much of the sanctification. Once you're saved, it'll blow your mind. Now that I have Jesus, I shall not want. Baby number two. Come on, brother. You know I love you. I shall not want. Hmm. Trailer's falling apart, baby. I shall not want. We share a table with a rat the size of a possum. I shall not want. Woo! Hey, we'll tell you now, the biggest rat trap at Tractor Supply didn't kill it. Didn't even injure it. It was wearing it as a hat when I opened the pantry door. It was standing in the threshold with it over its head. I did. I was like, I ain't touching him. He'll bite me and then I'll get some tuberculosis or something. I shall not want. My baby got to remind me, I'm telling you, church, don't think I'm standing on a soapbox. I'm at the altar call preaching this message. I shall not want. I speak those things that be not as though they are. I shall not want. I went back to Tractor Supply to grab uh, the, the, the live trap. They said, oh, what's this one for? Same rat. They're like, you're kidding me. I said, look, same story, just what I told. They did. 
need a piss control, man. No, what I need is Jesus. Because the Lord's trying to teach me something. The Lord's trying to teach me to humble myself. Because Jesus, even as a baby, was laid in a feeding trough. Think of those things. When we come to a point of revelation that he is everything, my brother, that we'll ever need, we can truly say, like the Chinese church, I shall not want. But that's the revelation. And by revelation, let's go to Nahum, the first chapter, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to give you all some Old Testament fire and brimstone, but don't, don't take it the wrong way. I want to get a grasp of the reality of who God is. We want to unveil right now the layer that exposes the omnipotence of who God is. The same God that you say, that's my daddy. I want us to understand this is who is your provider. Come on now. Nahum, the first chapter is the Old Testament. Now I'm going to read this and I'm going to try my best not to preach in between. But I want us to just grasp and I want y'all to soak in these words, these phrases of what God is. The burden of Nineveh. Everybody have a say Amen. The book, verse 1, the vision of Nahum, the Elkishite. God is jealous. Mm. I'm going to pause on that so y'all can chew on those words. God is jealous. I said I'm going to try not to preach, and here I go in a few words in. I'm trying not to. He loves y'all. God is jealous for you. And the Lord reigns. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. Guess what, church? If you're on his side, his adversaries, guess what are your adversaries? Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And it says that God will take vengeance on those adversaries and reserve us wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, is great in power. If I say great in power. Great in power. Will not at all acquit the wicked, but the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds and the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the seas. He maketh it dry. Oh, peace be still in the New Testament. Maketh it dry. The Red Sea split and they walked on dry ground and dryeth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth and Carmel, the flower of Lebanon, languisheth. The mountains quake. The mountains tremble. The mountains shake. And the hills melt. And the earth is burned at His presence. The earth will melt if God willing to just walk in the presence of it. I want our heads to do the mind blow of just how great our God is. We can sing Chris Tomlin's song, How Great Is Our God. But do we truly understand the omnipotence of our God? A kind of God that doesn't even have to lift a finger, would speak, or just walk in the presence, and it's melting. Again, do we understand how powerful the God of the universe is? You shall not want The mountains quake at him and the hills melt and the earth is burned in its presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand? Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire. 
and the rocks are thrown down by him. But check this out, church, verse 7. The Lord, let's read this together. The Lord is good and a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knoweth them that trust in him. Isn't that amazing? We are literally just a speck, a tiny microscopic speck in the universe and God who can walk onto the earth and everything, the hills and the everything melts like wax. And yet we trust him enough to say, God, you got me. I trust in you. If we can just take our problem, our situation, our circumstance, our issues on a daily basis, apply it to the reality of Nahum and Psalm 23 and realize God's got this. If you're about to lose your business, if you get a crazy diagnosis you would never expect, I shall not want. I'm going to say it about 1,800 more times this morning, if anything, for me to get a hold of that. I shall not want. Go back to Psalms. We're going to look at verse 34. Psalm 34, verse 7. Jesus, Jesus. And while you're turning there, I'm going to uh, bring up another test, a testimony that I had. I did mention it before, but I'll give you the short version. When God called me, this is one of the greatest revelations that I had in my life, that God revealed to me the supremacy of His power to be able to answer the problem as soon as I ask Him. Here we go. Signed a lease with an apartment in Lafayette. God called me to go to Baton Rouge, went to Bible college. I said, Lord Jesus, help me, because what they said is you're still owed. I would pay rent to an apartment I don't live at and have to pay another rent to the place I do live at. Double rent for one house. Amen? Not fun. Instead of falling on my knees and crying out to the good shepherd who was with me, let me tell you, for a few days, God was just doing this, twiddling his fingers. I looked, I researched, I went on, you know, what are the state laws for Louisiana and rental laws? I did all the Googling I can do. I called people who knew lawyers. Is there a way I can get out of this lease? And here's God patiently waiting. It wasn't until literally five minutes of putting on a mixtape CD of worship in my apartment, got on my knees on the side of the, my bed, and I just called out to us and God, I can't do anything. I don't know what to do. Within five minutes, I'm telling you, the song didn't even finish. The Lafayette apartment complex calls me back and says, oh, we forgot to tell you. We have another complex in Baton Rouge. We'll just transfer your lease. It was that simple. But it wasn't until I called out to God and it took days of my efforts with no resolution, but just five minutes in the presence of the king. I got you. God should never be plan B, but Lord, forgive us. Sometimes he's plan F and G and H. Come on, somebody. Let's be honest. It's time to repent and put God at plan A. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about him, them that fear him. The Bible also declares that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Let me just rephrase that to exact King James. The fear of the Lord is the beginning 
plan A of wisdom. And what does it say? The angel of the Lord encamps round about those that, in wisdom, fear God. And last I checked throughout all of the scriptures, Aunt Mercedes, every time that there was a need of, of, of replenishment, of an encouragement, of a uh, bringing them out or nourishment physically, the angel of the Lord was sent down to them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints. Fear the Lord, because that's the wise thing to do. Fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no one of them that fear him. The young lions, they do lack. They suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want. Mm. Man, I need to underline that somewhere up on that screen. They shall not want anything. Any good thing. Because they already have the one that is good. Jesus. Keep thy tongue from evil. Keep thy lips from speaking guile. Of course, we know that's any evil thing. Slander, gossip, etc. Depart from evil. Uh-oh. Y'all hearing that? Verse 14. Appease the evil. No, depart from evil, holiness, church, and do good. Seek peace, pursue after these things. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Listen to this, church, and not only is he watching you, his ears are attentive unto your cry. We've got the big red emergency button, but none of us are pressing it. We're running all around, rampant, trying to find it. God's like, just press the button. Cry out to me. I'm listening. I shall not once. Baby's going to remind me of that next time I complain about that rat, huh? We're going to catch him, though, in the name of Jesus. Because he's going to vanquish all of our enemies, including that rat. In Jesus' name. We invested in a whole lot of Tupperware since then. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be desperate, brother. It's okay to look a little bit, what, what do they call it, ugly cry? It's okay. Everybody's so respectable in the house of the Lord or in the house. It's okay to cry, Amen. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of some of their troubles. Most of their troubles. All of their troubles. Isn't that a powerful thing, my brother? A powerful, powerful thing. He promises he will deliver out of all of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save us such that be of a contrite spirit. He is close to you who are broken. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Everybody say the word many. Many. Not a little bit, but a lot. If everything is hunky-dory, 100% of the time, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 a year, you might want to look in the mirror and probably get saved. Just saying. The righteous endure many afflictions. We talked about that this Sunday morning. Amen? So do not think it's strange when the devil seeks out whom he may devour. 
but you shall not want, for the Lord is with you. Amen. Now, lastly, I would like for us to go to Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. And I'm just, for the sake of time, I'm just going to hit the highlights. I want us to get a point. Firstly, I wanted us to recognize the need for the revelation of God being all you need that you shall not want. Secondly, we went to Nahum. In a quick summarization, we looked at just a small glimpse. I, I mean, for the sake of, I could spend hours and days on various passages that bring out such a raw, poetic passion of who the supremacy of God is, how great He is, right? We use Nahum as one grain of sand on the beach that is the supremacy of our God. Now, we'll, and thirdly, we went to the reality of our affliction, but God still being all that we need. Lastly, when it says on verse uh, 19 of Psalms that we just read, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And also in verse 17, the righteous cry. I'm bringing it all together to put the cherry on the cake in Mark chapter 10 with a man that was blind on the side of Jericho. My wife and I listened to a sermon that brought the same passage up and I thought it would be very poignant that a man who was desperate for Jesus, who was in his affliction as the righteous were, who decided, like the Psalms tells us, cry. Everybody say the word cry. cry. Some of us just do a little bit of pat and say, in Jesus' name, amen. And that's not necessarily wrong, nor am I being derogatory. But there's something to be said about someone who is so desperate for God to intervene. Help! Y'all know what I'm talking about. This man was at his point of breaking. This man saw, heard, it says in verse 47, Mark 10, 47. Of this blind man heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. And everybody say this together. He began to cry out and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out. Now, this is the, this is the modern church's response. Y'all get ready for the United States of America, modern church of 2019. And many of the church around him said that he should just hold this. You're, you're a little bit too charismatic. Pastor, you're a little bit too excited. You, you, you don't need the drums, okay? You don't need the electric guitar, Jacob. You really should just go down to a harp, right? Just Let's just be quiet. I'm not trying to be mean, but by golly, where has become the backbone of the Spirit of God in the church that has just been so passe of a God of the universe who has truly transformed people's lives? I can't be quiet. But they told him, you're just a little too loud. Please be quiet. But what happened? But he cried the more a great deal. That's the King James. We all know what happened. But he didn't listen to him and said, Help me, Jesus! He raised the decibel. He went even more. He said, God, I don't care what people think. I am I'm going, uh, it's not crazy right now. I need you, Jesus. I am blind. Thou son of David, it says, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. They called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. The same people that told him to shut up had to go and be like, He's asking me to, send, to bring you. <laughs> Pastor God, that. The same people that told him to shut up, Jesus said, Go get him. saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee, verse 50, and he casting away his garment. Oh, that's good. 
casting away his garment. Come on, y'all see that? He threw off that beggar's clothes. He threw off the old man. He rose and came to Jesus. And here's what I'm getting at. Jesus answered and said unto him, from a person who was desperate enough to cry, and not only cry, but resisted the opposition and cried even louder, that Jesus then says, Now, what will thou that I should do unto thee? The coolest thing about this, we're reading on paper. Don't forget the man's blind. Likely he had a bandage over his face. Likely he was coming to Jesus like this. And when Jesus says, what am I to do for you? And in the message Miranda and I listened to, the pastor brought that point out. I mean, he could have easily said, well, my cot is a little bit worn and it's not as comfortable. Could you give me a new cot? He said, and I agree, Jesus probably would have got him a new cot. But he asked, what do you want me to do? In other words, at what level of faith do you have, Brother Matt? If you're standing there with your eyes totally blind, are you going to ask him for a new cot? Are you going to ask the master for a healing of your eyes? How good, how great, how big is your faith? He had a revelation of who the master was. He could have asked for anything, but he didn't sell himself short because he knew who the son of David was. And by that, he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thou hast made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Because thou art with me. Go back to 23 in here. If God is with you, don't sell yourself short in your prayer time. We're a church that believes in the supremacy, power, and willingness of our God to heal the greatest of disease, the most uncurable. And we've seen it happen. And guess what, Heart of Worship Church? It's going to happen again. Amen? Everybody say this together with me. I shall not want. I shall not want. And if that's what you believe, stand up right now. We're going to pray. And as we come to this close, no matter the need, God, we say together, I shall not want. I shall not want. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, Be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.